Well, happy Easter, everyone. Hey, let's try something. I'm going to say he is risen. You say he is risen indeed, okay? He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. It is great to have you here this morning and celebrating Easter with us. And I love that Sophia went around asking people that question. If they could change one thing in our world, what would it be? Uh, I was not surprised at the answers because it is always easy to find something to complain about. Every single one of us has problems with something that's going on in our world. In fact, Andrea and I play a little bit of a game sometimes. I like to think that I can find something wrong in anything. No, no matter how great it is, I can come up with something that's a problem with that thing. And the way the game works, um, the more great something is, the more challenging and fun it is to try and find a problem with it. Well, this past week, she gave me Easter. And I got a big smile on my face and I said, challenge accepted. And I committed to myself that I would come up with four things that were wrong with Easter by today. And I'm gonna share them with you. But before I do, um, I just wanna see if you can come up with a problem with Easter uh, or maybe two. So will you turn and tell somebody what you think a problem with Easter might be? See how you do with this? Go ahead, try it. Okay, how did you do? It's not too easy, is it? All right, let me give you mine, okay? Here, here are some of my problems. Problem number one, egg shortage. Like, do you know that there is an egg shortage right now? Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but of all times of the year for the egg industry to tell us they're running out of eggs and they have to raise the price on eggs, it's a little bit fishy, isn't it, that it happened right the week before Easter? This week that millions of families are dying eggs and hiding eggs, egg shortage is my number one problem. Okay, number two, Easter basket grass. Uh, I don't know whose idea it was to take green plastic, shred it up, put it in a basket, but you know the problem with this stuff, right? It gets all over, and you are finding Easter basket grass for months after Easter. You will be eating a bowl of popcorn, watching a movie on like the 4th of July, and you will find grass in your couch. All right, number three, grandparents overdoing it. Uh, let me explain this one. My, my parents live six hours away, and so they want to be here for events and for the holidays, special events, and so they send our kids things because they can't always be here. Uh, they send them, obviously, gifts for their birthday. They send them things for Valentine's Day, but at Easter, they send candy. Now, you would say, what's wrong with that? Maybe like a chocolate bunny or uh, maybe they got a, a Cadbury egg? No. This week, one child at home who's 13, my parents sent her two pounds of candy bars. <laughs> what? Why would they think she needs two pounds? It's not like it's gotta last till next Easter. Uh, last Easter they did this. We made her take it to school and give it away. The parts that I didn't save for myself, but you, you okay. okay. One more, fourth problem. Easter bunny costumes are creepy. <laughs> right? I mean, Santa Claus I get. I can see Santa's face. But if a, if a kid can't see the real face in the costume, it is gonna go wrong. There is a long history of bad Easter bunny costumes. <laughs> I love that that's the one that got you. Okay, four problems, four problems, how did I do? Not bad, right, not bad. Uh, this, is not, this is not as hard as it sounds. Well, 
Well, Easter is eventually over, but the truth is other problems that are lasting problems in our world are not over. And the reason that we had Sophia ask that question, what would you change? I think every single one of us can come up with some, some things in this world we are not wild about. And I am curious what would make your list. Um, selfishly, I would make it so everyone automatically uses turn signals when they're changing lanes. I would change bad drivers. Uh, I would reduce the calories in ice cream to 25 calories a scoop. Uh, waffle cones, no calories at all, is how that would go. Uh, as a dad with a kid in college, I would make it so college costs $5 a class at every school, anywhere you might go, everywhere. Uh, well, I, I appreciate, this is not the State of the Union, you don't have to applaud everything. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the fact of the matter is most of my ideas are silly, they're not practical, but, but I have lots of bad ideas. And, and then of course, there are serious world problems that I would change, and, and you would too. Uh, the invasion of Ukraine, war, any war, aggression anywhere, um, poverty we would change. I was just in Mexico for a week of vacation, and, and while the, the spots that I were in, lots of nice resort settings, I know on the other side of town was incredible poverty. And you don't have to leave this country to find that. You don't have to leave the Bay Area, right? You can find poverty right here. And crime we would change, and, and racism, and sexism, and, and we could list a bunch of isms that if I could change the world, if I could get rid of them, it would make it a much better place. Besides the world problems, I think most of us would say we've got some personal problems we'd like to see change. We've got relationships that are broken or maybe are in the midst of breaking. And as much as we're concerned about what's happening out there in the world, some of us are just worried about what's going on in our own families, our own homes right now. Something with another person and, and we would give anything to see that changed. And some of us would say we'd like to change some of our past decisions. We're not proud of some choices that we've made and we've been living with some guilt. We, we, we look at ourselves and, and we think of ourselves as, as a collection of past mistakes and, and, and we wish we could shake it off and if we could, we would change our past or at least the guilt and the shame that we're, we're living with. That, that might be you this morning. Some of us are experiencing an emptiness where we just feel like we, we are missing joy and hope and meaning. I was talking to someone not long ago who was telling me that they structure their life so they always have something to look forward to, a vacation or a day at the beach with friends or a movie they can't wait to see. And what gets them through a normal week, Monday to Friday, is knowing they've got something they're excited about on Saturday. But when they hit a season where there's nothing left to look forward to, it's all of a sudden like the silence lets them know that emptiness is starting to creep in. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you could change anything, it would be that. Can we agree there are a bunch of things wrong in this world, in our big world, in our small worlds, in your personal world, things that we are not happy about. This list could go on and on and on, and they are things that we would like to see changed. And I want to give a name to this list of things, all of these problems. In fact, I think I have figured out the perfect name for all the things. You ready? Everything. Every problem up on this screen, and we can list thousands more, they all add up to our everything. Everything we want changed. Now, can I say that because we're a hopeful people, as cynical as you might pretend that you are, you're hopeful, and because you're hopeful, we all try to find solutions to these problems. 
And because the problems are endless, the solutions we come up with are endless as well. Vacations to get your mind off of things? Eat less, eat more. Raise taxes, lower taxes. Defund the police, hire more police. Make whatever you wanna fill in the blank with legal, make that same thing illegal. Go to counseling, get a new job, get a different job. Make more money, give away more money. Spark joy by tidying up your closet. Watch more Brene Brown videos or read her books. There are lots of solutions that people have come up with for how we ought to fix what needs changing in our world. And, and actually, actually, if you think about it, a lot of what people fight about these days is whose solution is best. Democrats, Republicans, we all agree that crime is a problem. That's a part of the everything. The fight is over who's got the better solution for that part of the everything. Same thing with rising costs, inflation, or, or with housing costs. Most fights in this world are over strategy. Which solution will solve that problem in the everything? And if you think about it, your life, your conversations, your politics, your marriages, your workday is full of constantly coming up with solutions to change one after another all the problems that make up the everything. But have you noticed what I've noticed Things don't change. We still have poverty. We still have racism. We still have crime. We still have relationships that break apart. We still have war, emptiness. We still have guilt and shame. The more we come up with solutions to fix all the things, all the things stay broken, maybe get worse. All of our solutions to all the problems, at best, they are duct tape, basically. Every solution we come up with to solve problems in the world, problems in our personal lives, at best, they are duct tape. And I wanna tell you this morning why that is the case. In fact, I wanna tell you what I think is the missing ingredient to pretty much every solution out there. It's part of why these solutions don't last or they don't work in the first place. It's that they could work, but they're missing the key thing that is the key thing to any one of those solutions. And, and you are sitting in a church this morning and it's Easter Sunday. So it shouldn't be a surprise when I tell you the thing that is missing from so many of these solutions is Jesus. And the thing that is missing has everything to do with Easter and the reason for Easter. And I kind of feel like doing it again. Can we say it again? He is risen. As we dive into the Easter story today, I want you to know Jesus is not just the solution for our world and what's wrong. Jesus is the solution for you. In fact, we have a value here at Crosswinds, and it is the, the value. We say this a lot. Jesus changes everything. Will you say it with me? Jesus changes everything. And can I be honest with you, and I know I'm biased as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus, I wonder if part of why our world isn't always changing for the better and our own lives are not always changing for the better is because we spend a lot more time focused on the everything and, and all of our solutions, supposed solutions, we spend a lot more time focused on all of that than we do Jesus. And today, Easter Sunday, I want to ask you to at least for this one day this year, and I hope it turns into 364 more, I want to ask you to shift your focus to Jesus. But for us to do that, I need to tell you his story. And, and actually, his story does begin with the everything. 
It begins with a loving God who created humans, and it didn't take long for him to look at their lives and their relationships and their institutions and their religion even. It didn't take long for God to look at it all and go, wow, they are really messing this up. And God gave a word for this, the word sin. And I'm going to make it real simple. What you need to know for our purposes this Easter is sin is disobeying God. It, it's, it's disobeying God in the way that I treat other people, the way that I treat myself, and in the way that I treat him even. So let, let me just make sure we're all on the same page, okay? I can disobey God in the way that I treat you if I take what belongs to you, like your car, or uh, in the case of Ukraine your, or Ukraine, your country. If I take your life, that is sin. If I take your dignity, if I take your, your, your freedom, your self-respect, like the case of racism or, or sexism, that's sin. If I create public policy that, that puts somebody into poverty or, or leaves them into poverty, somebody might say that that is sin. All right, if I wrong my spouse, my parents, my kids, my, my, my husband, my wife, my, 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 my boss, anybody I work with, talking about wrongs that lead to broken relationships, that is sin. All of those are ways that I disobey God and they tend to fall into these how I treat others category. Okay, but sin can be how you mistreat yourself. Okay, you may think that you are your own. You don't belong to anybody else and so what you do to you, it's nobody else's business. But God loves you enough that when you make choices that mistreat you, God actually considers that sin. Finally, God says, when you do these things to other people, and, and when you do these things to yourself, and when you disregard what I've told you about how you should live, you're actually sinning against me. We can sin against God. And, and here is why all of this matters this Easter morning. See the screen behind me? God looked at the everything that is wrong in our world, and he told us what was causing it. Sin. Sin is the thing that causes the everything, our disobeying him. Now, let me tell you what I've noticed. As soon as this word sin entered our vocabulary, things got real messy for us as humans. See, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what is and isn't sin. Lots of arguments in churches and in religious circles about what is sin, what's not sin. Um, I grew up in a church where dancing was considered a sin and drinking was a sin. And, and actually listening to any music that was not Christian music was considered a sin. Thank God I got out of that. Uh, there's not much of that anymore. But these, there's new things. There's new things people argue about whether it is or isn't a sin. Um, I grew up in some pretty legalistic settings. I like to think I've gotten pretty good at recognizing when people are all about just what is and isn't sin. And can I tell you what I'm noticing this idea of telling people they're sinning, they're not sinning, it's not just for religious people anymore. The last decade or so, everybody is telling everybody else what is and isn't sin and how they should live their lives. Everybody's got opinions on what everybody else is doing wrong and how they should change. Lots of finger pointing, um, judgment. It's not just for religious people anymore. <laughs> anyway, I, I kind of get why this is. It's because if sin is the thing that causes the everything, and I want to fix the everything in our world and in, in my own world, then I ought to tell you what you're doing that's causing all of the everything. We are all passionate about changing the everything. The problem with all of this is when we think that everything can be changed without Jesus. All right, let's have an honest moment together, all right? 
We are far more concerned trying to figure out what is and isn't sin so we can try and get other people to stop causing problems than we are with just acknowledging a personal truth about ourselves that we are sinners. And maybe it doesn't seem like that part I just said matters because if I'm a sinner and you're a sinner and you're a sinner, you are definitely a sinner. (laughs) We think if we're all sinners then we are all messed up equally. And does sin even matter if everybody's doing it? It's not the end of the world. In fact, being a sinner, it's just the norm now. And sure, I'm a sinner because we're all sinners, but what I really am, what I really identify is more than a sinner. I identify as a good person. And can I, can I tell you, this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we have the everything that we have in our world. Because if you don't care about your sin and I don't care about my sin, in fact, the only time I think about sin is to think about your sin and you think about my sin, guess what kind of world we end up with when we all do that? The world we are in right now. The reason that sin is the thing that causes the everything is because nobody sees everything they do to contribute to the everything as sin. Do you think Vladimir Putin thinks that he's sinning right now? You think big tobacco executives who, who hid for 40 years that tobacco was causing lung cancer, do you think them hiding it, that they thought of their hiding it as sin? Do you think slave owners in the 1800s thought that what they were doing was sin? Of course not. We all justify what we do, which is why we end up with the everything. Now, I have a daughter who went off to college this past fall, and uh, She's had a great experience so far, so much fun, but uh, this next year she's gonna be an RA. Uh, You know what RAs are? They're they're the ones who kind of work there and uh, they're there for the younger students in their dorms and they kind of give some leadership. So she's got a job, she applied for this job as an RA and when she was applying, uh, she told me about it and I said, oh cool, that's great, an RA, what does it pay? And she said, I don't know. And I said, well that's probably worth figuring out. I mean, it's a job, you wanna know what it pays. All right, her application was well received. They called her in for an interview. Afterwards, she called me and she said, oh dad, my interview went really well. I'm pretty sure they'll hire me. I said, great, but dads, because I'm a dad, you know what I asked next, right? Did they tell you what it paid? She was like, nah, I don't care. I'm not making this up. They offer her the job, she accepts. I find out and I say, great, there must be an offer letter or an email where they tell you what this job pays. She says, no, I didn't get anything other than an email that just says, welcome to the team. (laughs) Only when you're 18 is this how life works, right? (laughs) Because the rest of us know something that for what you do in this world, good or bad, there's a corresponding wage. And I I bring this up in the context of this thing we've been talking about, that sin is the thing that causes the everything. Because Romans 6 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. And and right about now, you're probably thinking, wow, what is with all the sin talk and and the death talk? Honey, I thought this was an Easter service. This is a lot of sin talk for Easter. What's going on? Okay, this is where Easter starts to come in. We can't talk about life until we talk about some things that pay off in death. And the wages of sin is death means two things. One, that our sin pays off in all the everything that we've been talking about on the screen behind me. And two, that our sin leads to separation from God. And that is death because, because God is life. 
Our sin separates us from him, and it causes all these things. All right, do you ever have the daydream of just floating off to some beautiful tropical island, just you and, and some friends, maybe your family, certain people in your family, not everybody in your family would be allowed to go with you. <laughs> but it's a place where nobody else is and all the problems, all of this everything is left behind and you start over. Utopia, paradise. Guess what? It will not stay paradise for long. You know why? Because you're there. <laughs> so God looked at the sin in our world that causes the everything and he, and he, he loved us enough to not want the everything for us so God decided to do something about the sin. And he decided to send Jesus, God in the flesh, to come to earth and deal with our sin problem. And here is how he did it. The Bible tells us that Jesus took the sins of the earth and made them his own. I, I, I want to read you this verse that I'm going to show you. I, in fact, I want you to read it out loud with me. Would you do that? This is 2 Corinthians 5.21, and let's read this together. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right, you guys, this is Easter, and this really matters. Let's read this together and really own it, okay? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what we remember on Good Friday, that Jesus took your sins and he took my sins and he chalked them up as if they were his sins. And, and I don't believe everything in the Bible is literal, but if the wage of sin is death, Jesus very literally took your wages, death, death on a cross. Jesus took the sins from you so that he could take the wages for you. And he did it because he loves you. God does not want death for you, any kind of death. God is life. He did it to bring you life. A song we sang earlier said, our sin was great, your love was greater. And, and, and 1 John tells us, Jesus didn't just die for your sins. He died for the sins of the whole world. God wants to bring life to everyone. In fact, Jesus did it. He went to the cross to change the everything and make not just life in heaven, but your life here a better life. But a valid question that we should all be asking, was this a good plan I mean, how does somebody expect to change everything just by dying on a cross? In fact, death sounds like defeat, not change. You would not think the way to change eternity and the way that you would change everything that's wrong in our world right now is to let yourself be killed. Because most of the things that we listed under the everything, death is the thing they lead to that we're trying to avoid, right? So war, you know what the problem with war is? It leads to death. COVID, the problem is death. Too many calories in ice cream, death. If Jesus were gonna change everything, you would not think that death is the way to get there. And that would be true unless the one who died could change death itself. Unless Jesus didn't just die to change all the things that we so hate, but he died to change death itself, to defeat death once and for all, unless Three days later, Jesus rose again. 
The gospel tells us that, that on Sunday morning, some women who saw Jesus die on Friday night, women who at one point thought Jesus was the one who was going to change all the everything, they showed up at the tomb, and the stone was rolled away. And an angel told them, he is not here. He has risen. Do you remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? He told you, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, be raised again. Check this out. Verse 8 says, and then, then they remembered his words. They remembered that Jesus had told them the way for him to change everything, sin and death, was for him to die and rise again. And because he could change death, they knew, and we now know, he can change everything. And that is what we celebrate on Easter. Death is defeated. It is overcome. That is what we get to celebrate today. That everything in our world is different now, right? Oh, wait a second. It's not. Everything is not different now. You know why? Because while Jesus has changed everything, Everything quickly goes back to being the old everything unless you let Jesus change you. There is a, a word in the Bible that churches used to use all the time, but for a while now, this word has become so loaded that it's made it almost impossible to use it because if you use this word, it sounds like judgment. You can't say this word without people going, whoa, 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 whoa. who are you to judge me? And um, I'm gonna take a risk and I'm gonna use this word today and I'm gonna teach you what it means because this word is all about change. It's about changing everything. It's actually the perfect word for what Jesus is wanting for you as part of the him changing everything plan. It is the word repent. Okay, don't stand up and walk out. Everybody take a deep breath. We can survive this. I, look, I know that word has been used to hurt a lot of people. That it has been used as a weapon, but, but let me just unload that word for you, okay? Here's what it literally means in Greek. The Greek word is metanoia. Here's what it means. Change your mind. It is a moment where you look at the sin in your life and you say, I don't want to be this way. Not somebody else's life, not your enemy's life, not your friend's life, not your husband or your wife's life, not your boss's wife, life. Honestly, I don't know if anybody ought to point this word at anybody else. Repent is where you say to yourself and you say to God, I am going to change. And, and, and do you want to know why Jesus can come and change death and change the wages of sin and we can still end up with things looking the way they do? Because on Easter, we can say, Thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying for our sins and defeating death and changing everything. Thank you. We say all those things, and then we can walk out these doors and not let it change us. Tomorrow, I can just return to doing all the things that make everything the everything. For Jesus to change everything in this world and in your life, there's an assumption made in that statement that repentance or change on your part is going to go along with it. Here's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. And if you are going to let Jesus change everything in your world, it begins with letting him change you. See, Jesus changes everything, but that starts with you letting him change you. And, and look, I know in 2022, we've all gotten really good at convincing ourselves that we're good people. You're a good person. Because of that, you don't need to change. 
And I will tell you, when you say that, what you're saying is, I don't need Jesus' death. I don't need his resurrection. You, 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 what you're saying is, I don't need my eternity changed. I don't need my everything now changed. But the fact is, you do. We all do. And for God's love to be made complete in you and his forgiveness to be complete in you and, and his change to happen in you so that it happens in our world, it begins with repentance. I am ready to change me, to let Jesus change me. And, and I don't care if you've been in church your whole life or if this is your very first Sunday, if you want to celebrate on Easter that Jesus brings life to this world and that life changes everything, the greatest way you can celebrate it is by saying, Jesus, will you start by changing me? I want to ask you to bow your heads right now with me. Would you do that? I'm going to pray together. And I want to give you a moment this Easter Sunday to just recognize what what in you needs to change? God, right now, would you show us, would you show each of us what needs to change? Jesus' death and resurrection means that change is possible, but it starts with me owning some areas where I need it. And I imagine that some of you have had an idea of what needs changing you this morning as I've been talking. And, and right now, just take a moment to identify those things. And would you confess them to God just silently in your head and in your heart? As our heads are still bowed, here's the next thing I want to give you an opportunity to do with God. Will you commit to changing it? Commitment sounds scary, I know. If you're like me, you're saying to yourself, I have tried to change so many times, I'm going to fail. All right, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But I'll tell you right now, God is not looking for your perfection. I promise you that. He is looking for your commitment. I'll explain in a minute why your commitment's not a promise that you're gonna be perfect, why God doesn't need that. What he wants from you is your commitment that if you fail, you'll start again. Would you commit to him right now in whatever words you wanna silently pray, you are going to let change start in you. God, you are looking at a group of people today who know that if Jesus can change death, he can overcome death, be buried in a tomb, and three days later rise to life. We know if he can change death to life, he can change us, and he can change our world. And God, we commit to being people that say this Easter, Jesus changes everything, so please start with me. God, we are willing to commit with the same power that conquers the grave. Change me. And all God's people said, amen. Now, I would not be doing my job if I didn't take a, a moment and tell you that the reason you can change, and, and actually, the reason you can fail at change and start over, 
and then fail again and start over and then fail again and start over. It is because of God's grace. Many of us around here have encountered this thing called grace. What it is, is God's forgiveness of you even when you don't deserve it, even when you've fallen apart on your commitment. And, and I think every single one of us today, even if you're somebody who received God's grace 70 years ago, I think every one of us can commit to, to letting Jesus changing everything start with us. But I know some of you have never received God's grace, never asked him for that. Maybe because you, you didn't think you deserved it. Maybe because you thought you were such a good person you didn't need it. And, and maybe today, as you start this commitment to letting him change you, you need to say, God, forgive me for who I've been. And the, and the Bible tells us if we ask him that, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Give us his grace. And if you want to do that today, we have pastors who would love to talk with you or pray with you and, and take a few minutes to just kind of walk you through that. They're out at these things that we have around here called grace walls. And uh, our pastors are there because anytime somebody around this church says they need grace, we give them a light bulb to screw into these walls and the light turns on representing the change that God has done and is going to do in their lives. And if you have never done that, what better day than Easter? Um, we've got a few of these walls out by the cross today, just in front of this building off the parking lot. And we've got a few pastors there, and they would love to give you a bulb and pray with you and talk about whatever you might want. All right? Will you stand with me? We're going to sing one more song to celebrate Easter together. And, and as we sing this, can I tell you... I know that this commitment to change takes work. It takes intentionality. But here's the great part. The power behind it is in Jesus. As you head back into the everything, you might feel like it's all on you. It is not on you. It's on Jesus doing something in you. And we're going to close with this song that is all about his resurrection power working in you to break strongholds and to find you in the shadows and to bring healing, to bring life to you. Would you sing this with the band? And as you do, would you own these words and let God start to work in you even right now?